huge tourist city, too. They have an on-off season, and when it's tourist season, the streets are packed full of people. Um, the district there has about 60,000 people. It gives you an idea of the size. Um, but I got to meet Pastor Ong and his wife, An, who are uh, Christian ministry workers there. They work out of what they call the New Life Center, and they teach a lot of English stuff. Um, you know, they have ESL classes three times a week. And in Thailand, ESL is a major outreach. Um, on was actually saved through an English outreach. And forgive me for being frank, but in um, Cha'am, one of the major people that, groups that it reaches out to are the prostitutes who want to be able to do their trade better when um, the tourists come. Thailand is actually a sex tourism destination, and as a tourist city, Cha'am has this also. And so, yeah, the prostitutes want to be able to do their job better. They want to learn English, and Pastor Ong and On offer a free English ministry, and that allows them to connect with the people and hopefully lead them to Christ. Uh, one or two of the believers who are in Cha'am actually came from a background of prostitution. Um but they have English Fellowship, which reaches out to the tourists also, the foreigners who live there, English clubs to help people practice their English. There's a lot of English. I'm, there's a little bit of a pattern here if you hadn't noticed. Whoops, and I'm going too far. But all of this ministry that is listed off here, Pastor Ong and On do alone. Um, they are the only Christian ministry in this district of 60,000 people. Two people for 60,000. That's a little bit smaller than Bellingham to give you an idea of the size. And I was only there for three days last year, but I could see even in that short amount of time how difficult it was for them to run that ministry alone. You know, besides all that, they also raised their three-year-old daughter who's in that picture there also. And I'm sure all of you parents out there with young children know how much time that can take. Um, besides the difficulties of time, being able to work all of that, they often struggle with the people who do say they accept Christ falling back into their old ways. Um, I'm going to read you an excerpt from one of their prayer letters last year, and they summed it up pretty well, the difficulties they're having. It's hard to serve the Lord here. It is hard to lead someone even when they become believers. Already we have believers come to church three or four times. After that, they stop coming because they cannot accept his word in their work or business or in their job. Cha'am is a tourist place, and there are many temptations and prostitutes. So that's what they're struggling with there. They're alone and working in a sometimes very discouraging situation. And they, frankly, are needing help. The pastor spends four hours each Saturday cleaning the building they work out of because there's no one else to do it instead of being able to dedicate more time into outreach. And that's something a pastor shouldn't have to do. There should be people able to come alongside and help him. So that's where I hope to come in. Um, I haven't cleaned a church all by myself before. We have Leanna and Ingrid for that. But I do have a lot of experience in doing office work, which is something I can help them with. But even more than that, I am very experienced in speaking English. <laughs> the benefits of growing up in America. And in Thailand, being a native American speaker, as they call it, 
is kind of like an attraction. It'll draw more people into their ministry there. And so having a white English-speaking person, not only to help teach the class and pronounce the words right, it's just, it's like advertising. Um, they have this, uh, they have ESL classes, not only for the adults, but also for kids living in a nearby slum. So they're reaching out to the entire people group there. And most of you know I'm pretty experienced with office work now. I have Pastor Dave to thank for that. Um, and again, promoting the ESL classes, handing out invitations, white person on the street saying, come, I'll help you learn English. It's going to be helpful a lot. Um, proofreading translations. Uh, while I was in Thailand, I noticed that there were quite a few things like menus and signs that needed a little bit of help. If, I don't know if you can read that. That says danger, high voltage, no splinking and trespassing. I have no idea what splinking is. I even looked it up. <laughs> and this one, sorry, we're open. <laughs> uh, this one was an actual menu near Cha'am. And on that menu, I don't know if you can see, you can order omelets with plain. You can also order friend chicken. <laughs> I didn't get that one. And, you know, there's other background tasks that I can help with also, like watching their daughter when they're working at Thai ministry. I don't speak Thai. I won't be able to help as much as that, but I can watch their daughter while they do that. Um, you know, cleaning, other things like that. I can do anything that they need me to. I'm very good as a grunt. <laughs> oh, I skipped one. They, in Thailand, they also hold English classes three times a year. Uh, the last English camp they had had almost 500 people in attendance, and 78 of those people accepted Christ. There is a huge draw for those English classes, and missionaries from other nearby countries will also come and help. We, there are people who, from the States who will go over and help for mission trip sorts of things. And that is, again, a huge draw, three times a year, and that's something that, since I would be in country and speak English, I can go and help with. So, I... I know I painted a somewhat discouraging picture of Cha'am specifically, but I want you to know God is moving in Thailand. I mentioned the life camp. That's 78 people just at one camp that happens three times a year. Uh, last Thanksgiving, the Caners, who are missionaries in Bangkok, had the university students they work with over to their apartment, and they packed themselves into that tiny little place there. I think they had 38 of them there in, I think, a studio apartment. That's a lot. Um, but they had the believers there share testimonies. And in Thailand, where most people are Buddhist, hearing how God can come into your life and give you hope and a certainty of your future moved a lot of them. Most Buddhists never know if they have done enough to get to a higher plane of existence. Or I'm not sure what the technical term is there. But they live in that uncertainty and that fear, that worry, every single day. And hearing that there is a way to know that you are saved, that you can go to heaven, is an amazing thing for them. Testimonies are a major outreach to the people there. Um, just last week, I think it was, uh, there was an outreach in Sha'am. And 
uh, they had 42 people doing this outreach. Some people from Liberty University went, uh, the Caners went, um, and they had two people accept Christ through that outreach that took lasted one week. One of the girls who was actually interested and wanted to learn more requested a Bible as a student that I worked with personally while at the university. And she hasn't professed Christ yet, but she has shown that she's interested, that God's working in her heart. And from the people who are watching her and praying for her, they can see that God's moving in her life. And that was such a blessing to be able to hear that, that one of the people I met and that I connected with and possibly opened the door to, for her to go to this outreach, she might, learn, she might get to know Christ in the next couple days. Now, this verse has spoken to me since before I went to Thailand last year. And it's a passage from 2 Corinthians. I'm going to read it to you here. Now, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one we are the aroma of death leading to death and to the other the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? For we are not as so many peddling the word of God, but as a sincerity, but as from God, we speak in the sight of God and in Christ. I don't personally anticipate being in a position where I'm going to lead very many people to Christ while in Thailand. I'll probably be there a year, maybe a little bit more, depending. But as I'm going to be doing a lot of background tasks, I don't anticipate doing much evangelism. That's going to be Pastor Ong and On's job. But I am still capable in many ways of radiating the fragrance of Christ in the words I speak, the things I do. I don't know if you stand, stood next to somebody who smells very strongly, but they don't have to do much for you to notice it. <laughs> and that is my goal, to be able to smell of Christ to the people who are just around me. And it is such an encouragement to know that even though things in Cha'am are at the moment difficult, God always leads us in triumph in Christ. And it is my goal, it is Pastor Ong and An's goal, to present the gospel to them sincerely as people accountable before God. Now, how can you get involved? This is one of my favorite parts. Okay. I think I'm done then. Thank you. Stay there. Let's hang on to that. Pastor Ralph, would you come up and pray for Catherine and for her endeavor to, uh, to raise the funds and to go? One of the other things she has to do before she goes is go to a seminar back in Harrisburg at, at uh, ABWE. She'll be going in June for that. But would you just uh, pray for her and for uh, everything that will happen before she gets especially to the field? Thank you, Lord, for this presentation. Thank you for Catherine. Thank you for her dedication, for her willingness to go to foreign soil. We ask, Lord, that you would take charge of this, your servant. Open the way before her. Make things straight. Make everything right for her that you want to happen in her life. And work out all the details, Lord, and supply her needs, her financial needs, her physical needs, her spiritual needs, that she will be uh, an equipped a vessel of yours to do the work in this wonderful country that she is talking about today. So we give her to you, Lord, and ask your blessing upon her in a very special way as she plans the future days ahead. <clears throat> we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you.
How great is that, huh? We're raising up a missionary. Mm. Uh, what's, I'm losing the secretary. Yeah, there will be an opening. Uh, you don't need to apply, Jerry. But, uh. Uh, open your Bible to 1 Corinthians 3. What a great, what a great thing. Uh. Over the years, our church has had the privilege of sending a number of people into God's work in foreign countries. Uh, the, th- the three families or singles that you might be most familiar with are, are here. Um, Lillian and, and uh, Bill Lancaster. Of course, Bill is with the Lord now, and Lillian is, is pretty much uh, shut in, uh, you know, restricted to the assisted living where she is. Uh, but they served a whole career in Japan. And, uh, and then Ralph and Margie. How many years were you in Brazil? About 24 and a half years in Brazil and the, in several different places. And, uh, and then uh, Iola, who hasn't been here a lot in recent months. Uh, she's had, you know, some injuries and some recovery and whatnot. But she served a whole career in Ghana, West Africa, and uh, led the charge on a translation of the Bible that will affect about uh, 400,000 people. And, and these missionaries were primarily supported by this church. Iola... And Lillian and, and Marge Polson all grew up in this church. And uh, um, essentially, you know, this was a, a key, key church in their support. There have been some other missionaries since then, uh, some for longer term and some short. Uh, but, but it's been a while since we've sent somebody out. And, uh, and of course, Catherine is, is just aiming at a year at this point. But... but uh, it's our privilege to work with uh, good folks like this. Um, one of the truths that significantly forms our understanding of the Lord's work, both on the foreign field and right here at home, comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, right where we left off last week, going into this next paragraph. And it, it, it informs us on how we ought to think about Catherine and how we ought to think about Thailand and every other place that we're involved in the world and how we ought to think about one another. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 5. Who then is Paul and who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you have believed as the Lord gave to each one. I planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything or he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. The truth that we want to understand today is this. Believers work together with God to accomplish his work. Now that may not be a totally revolutionary idea for you, but I hope we can grasp it on a little deeper level today as we hear the Apostle Paul talk about his ministry, in particular in relation to the Corinthian church. And the first thing that we understand is this. God's work is carried out by servants. 
In verse 5, the Apostle Paul, and of course the big picture here is that Paul's trying to correct some, some sinful attitudes that the Corinthians had. And so he says, look, Paul and Apollos, and Paulos, if you don't know, was essentially we'd call him a pastor who came into the Corinthian church after Paul. Paul started things, and then, Paul, and then Apollos came. Paul and Apollos, he says, we are ministers. Now, in the, in the King James or the New King James, he uses the word minister. I think the translation that gets it right is the NIV when it uses the word servant. And the word servant literally meant to run errands. It meant to be a personal assistant. Um, another way this word was used in ancient Greek was of somebody who waited tables. Now, when we use the word errand boy, or we use the word uh, table waiter, and, and, and no, no insult to those of you who may be servers at restaurants. We're not trying to say that, that that's a, a low uh, job. But in the day of Greece, that was just like a common, this was like really entry level, you're nothing, you're just an errand boy, you're just carrying other people's water. The Apostle Paul says, I'm just an errand boy for God. That's what he says. He said, I'm not something. I'm just God's errand boy. And, and Paul makes this, is trying to get these Corinthian people to realize, look, you, you, you're putting me and Apollos and Peter up on these pedestals and saying, look at these great men. We follow those men. He said, no. He said, I am just God's errand boy. I am his table waiter. God makes the food. God cooks the food. I just deliver the food. A minister has come to be a, a term for a professional term for a guy like me who has a job as a pastor. That's not at all what he's talking about. Now, the Apostle Paul elaborated on that in Colossians chapter 1. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister or a servant, a person who carried the gospel to you. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church, of which I became a servant according to the responsibility from God which was given to me. God's work is carried out by servants. Paul wasn't doing his own work. He wasn't creating his own kingdom. Paul was just imitating Christ. Yet it shall not be so among you. Whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. Whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. This word servant would be equivalent, as I have said today, to somebody who carries a message, who, who is a, 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 you know, a, 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 just a kind of a common laborer. But the word slave pulls it into the realm of somebody who was, who was owned and who was bound to do things. And the Apostle Paul says, I was a servant, and, and here Christ says, you need to consider yourself, have the mentality of a slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, to be a minister, to give his life a ransom for many. Christ did not come and, and make something of himself while he was here on earth. He did God's will. He carried God's truth. The people at Corinth were holding up men like Paul and Apollos and Peter 
and making them into something that they did not want to be. And Paul just says, look, here's the fundamental attitude of every member of the body of Christ. We must see ourselves as servants. You know, at Camp Gilead, if you want to work there as a high school student, you become a leader in training, an L-I-T. Do you know what leaders in training do at Camp Gilead? What do they do? Some of you that have been that, what do you do? Michaela, what do you do? You clean dishes and you clean toilets and you, and you get other people's stuff for them. You set up for a game, you know. Do you get to do mostly what you want to do or are you somebody else's errand boy? <laughs> errand girl. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? That's what a leader in training, that's what leadership training ought to be because Jesus said if you can't be a servant, you can't be a leader. And the attitude that we have to have is that of a servant. I am a servant. For, for Catherine to say, uh, you know, I'm pretty good at grunt work, that's great. You'll be a great success as a missionary. The person who goes and says, I know what these folks need, is the person who fails. We have to have a servant mentality, a servant heart. The term has been coined in recent years about those who do have a leadership position in Christianity, and the term is servant leadership. A concern for other people. Not a concern for self, not a concern to build one's own kingdom. God's work is carried out by servants. The second thing we learn here is God's work is planned out by God. And we see here an example of teamwork in God's planning. Who then is Paul, who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one? I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. God, uh, God through the Apostle Paul, uses this extended metaphor of comparing Christ, the, the ministry of Christ to the planting and harvesting of crops. And Paul says, I put the seed in the ground, Apollos watered it, but God is the one who miraculously made it grow. When I think of this sequence, this teamwork, this planning by God of how some people do one thing and some people do another and God makes it grow, I think of, of Bill Tate, a man who's a hospital chaplain in Seattle. He's spoken here a number of times. And he leads people to Christ in the hospital. And, and, and many people would say, well, you know, folks are, are really significantly ill or maybe dying. Of course they're going to accept Christ. But you know, that's not the whole story. Because for most of those people, the story started 20 years ago or 30 years ago. I remember him telling about one fellow one time who said, said you know, I knew, a, I knew a guy, whatever his name was, Joe Smith and that guy was a real Christian. Can you give me that guy's kind of Christianity? Well, Bill Tate had been Joe Smith's pastor. And he said, yeah, I can tell you about that kind of Christianity. Joe Smith laid the seed for this guy to come to Christ. And God just brought it to fruition at this time. It's a teamwork. God has planned out His work. And He's planned it that we work together. 
The principle of teamwork, and, and your notes may be convoluted here at this point, but we're going to get to both all three points. The principle of teamwork is this. When I came to Troas, here's an example of it, I guess I'd say. When I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel and the door was, was not op- open to me by the Lord, I had no rest in my spirit because I did not find my teammate. Titus, my brother, but taking my leave of them, I departed for Macedonia. The key work, the key idea here is this. God's work is not accomplished by one person alone. God's work is accomplished by a team. Why in the world, why in the world did Paul need Titus to do the ministry? Don't you have a mental image of of Paul riding into town or walking into town or sailing up to the port and jumping off and going, let's do the Lord's work? You know, this, 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 uh, this uh, cowboy on a horse or this, this knight in shining armor and just riding into town. And yet somehow, if you really read through the book of Acts, you find that Paul always worked in a team. And there was always a group of people. And somehow, not having Titus there, he just said, you know, I, I can't do this by myself. I don't, I don't understand that because God doesn't give us all the details. All I know is this. God has designed the ministry to be a teamwork. And when somebody like Pastor Ong and his wife On are alone in a place like Cha'am, it's difficult. It's also difficult for pastors here in some places, I know, where they're maybe out in a remote area and they feel very alone and they're, and they're, they're struggling along. And we've learned in our church plants, in our Baptist Network Northwest, we should not send a guy out to start a church by himself. We need, he needs to have at least one partner with him because that is how God works. Um, the other thing we see here about teamwork is the assignments of teamwork. Look at verse 5b. As the Lord gave to each one. Who is Paul? Who is Apollos? We are servants through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one. I planted Apollos water, God gave the increase. In other words, the Apostle Paul says, God has called me to be the guy who comes into town and starts the ministry. I plant the seed. And, and that could refer to just the proclamation of the gospel. It could refer to those in first Christians that get saved. And then, but then Apollos came along and watered. Apollos came along and, and did what was necessary for those seeds to grow up and for disciples to be made. Paul was like a like an infantry soldier or a paratrooper, the guy who lands first and secures a position from which to work. Apollos was the soldier who built the base so the army could, con- could have a, a base of operations and then advance the war. And Paul and Apollos were each gifted by God and placed by God to accomplish his work. God has put it in Catherine's heart to go to Thailand. And from everything we can see, those of us in leadership who have tried to look more closely at her and at the ministry, it does seem like the call of God. God hasn't put that in everybody's heart. God has gifted her, as she said, to be a helper. Uh, I have seen that. I, I have seen her not complain about things uh, or the workload or whatever it might be. 
And God has gifted her in a certain way. But God has gifted us in some other ways. God hasn't gifted her with money. (laughs) And it's entirely possible that God has gifted some people with money and the ability to make money that He's not calling to Thailand. And you see, the assignments are given out by God as He sees fit with a team in view. And we need to view it that way. It's not like we're sending her across the world. It's like we're expanding our reach. This is us. She has a particular part in that assignment, and we have a particular part in that assignment. And the same thing is true here. We have, we have a teamwork here. And, you know, I was thinking about it. If we, if we had a young person, they might go to a Sunday school class, and they have a teacher, and they go to an Awana club, and they have a leader, and and, and they go to a children's church and they have a teacher and some, some helper kids, you know, and, and they come here and we worship and, 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 and so on and so forth. This is a team. We're all working together. It's not children's church over there and Awana over there and, and uh, you know, the senior Bible study that Ralph teaches over here. This is a team. We're working together. We each have a part to play. Our assignments have been given by God. The Apostle Paul did not see himself as the key guy. He said, we're part of a team. And we work together. We need you in this church like Paul needed Titus. I need Jim and Chuck and Chet, the other elders. I need Catherine. Catherine needs you. We all need Kim. Talk about the hub in the middle of the wheel. And on and on and on. God has gifted us and placed us in Christ's body. And the most important thing we can do is connect with the body, stay connected, and then do whatever He's gifted us to do. God's work carried out by servants, planned by God, and accomplished by God. This is so important. In fact, this might be the the biggest point that Paul was trying to make. Verse 6, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, or he who waters, but God who gives the increase. The Apostle Paul said, without God, my work is in vain. And, and, And he was especially trying to help the Corinthians realize, look, this is all about God. The farmer can put the seed in the ground and he can make sure it gets watered. He can even keep the weeds away, but he cannot make it grow. I know this from personal experience. (laughs) He is dependent on the nature God has placed in the seed. And we are dependent of what God is doing in people as he uses our work in their life. I can preach, and you can give witness to the word and by your life and by your love for people, but only God can make those watered seeds of truth grow up into saving faith or the decisions of discipleship. Here's a couple of examples of, of God giving the increase. Now, when they had come and gathered uh, the church together, they reported all that God had done with them and that he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. 
Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshipped God. She already was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. That's the things about Christ. The Lord opened. The Lord opened. How does God cause the seed of the Word to bear fruit? It's by the Holy Spirit. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper will not come. But if I depart, I will send Him to you, and when He has come, He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. I can speak God's truth, but it has no power coming out of my mouth. Whatever impact you perceive from God's Word is because the Holy Spirit has taken it. Because it's God's Word to begin with, and the Holy Spirit brings it home to you. When you read the Word, or hear it preached, or hear an encouragement from a fellow Christian, some some Christian uh, encouragement from the Bible that touches your soul and causes you to live more like Christ, it is the result of God's Word communicated and the Holy Spirit's convicting. It is God who gives the increase. God who gives the increase. John MacArthur made a very picturesque comment on this. If an artist is to be honored, you do not make a statue of his brush. (laughs) Neither does it make sense for Christians to glorify men, even a Paul or an Apollos, who are only brushes in the Master's hand. Such are to be esteemed and loved for their work, but not revered or set against each other. J. Vernon McGee also made a powerful observation. The important thing is not who the preacher is. The important thing is whether God is using him. If God is using him, then God should have the credit for the results. The most wicked thing we can do is take honor from God by saying, I did it. We do that when we when we do service, when we do ministry, only so people will notice. We do that when we withhold service because we were not recognized enough for some past deed. We do that when we insist on our way in the ministry. We are the brush. He is the painter. He deserves the glory. God is the one who actually does the ministry and He's designed it to work in a unified way. God's work is unified by God. Look at verse 8. Now he who plants and he who waters are one. And each one will receive his own labor. We are all one. Ephesians 4 talks about the body of Christ. He says, He, he Christ, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, evangelists, some pastor teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, until we all come to the unity of faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. The word there is actually more equivalent to our word tendon or ligament. You know, when you walk, you don't think about your tendons or ligaments until one of them isn't working right or until one of them gets torn a little bit. And then you all of a sudden notice, oh, that's my rotator cuff. Oh, that's my bicep tendon. God says every part of the body of Christ 
even something that you might think is small or insignificant, every part is important and causes growth. Every supporting ligament, there is no little part in the ministry of God. We are all in this together. This is a team. And I'm so glad it's a team because I just don't have it in me to go to camp and be a counselor. I've been a counselor dozens of times all over the West Coast in various camps and been a counselor at Camp Gilead. I used to go every year when I was a youth pastor and I'd have a cabin full of boys and Lord have mercy, I couldn't, I don't know if I could do it anymore. But I can help support the camp. I can promote the camp. I can pray for the camp. I can have folks come from the camp and tell us and get you excited about working in it. We can send our kids to work there. And I'm so glad because Camp Gilead has a wonderful ministry. We work together. He who plants and he who waters are one. Uh, I've been to Africa, but I can't do wiring. You know, the last big project I did at my house before you were here, Ben, was putting a 220 circuit in my garage for my new table saw. And I called up one of my other expert friends who lives a little farther away, and I said, hey, I want to put this 220 circuit in. Uh, can you uh, give me a couple of pointers on it? And this, no kidding, this is the first thing I heard. Uh. <laughs> Oh, he gave me good advice, and I didn't, I didn't lose any more limbs. I cannot go to Togo and wire that hospital, and most of you can't either. Uh, we could go and do some things, but we can't go and do that. So Ben is going to go, and we are going to partner with him through our financial support and through our prayer. Uh, I like Thai food about once every three months. And I can't leave here for an extended period of time, like a year, but Catherine can. So I can pray for her, and I can help support her. That's what this card is for in your bulletin. I don't know where you're at in your prayer life, but you know, prayer life needs to be a conversation that never stops. It just kind of goes on and on. And if you had that on your refrigerator or some other place that you visit several times a day, uh, maybe on the dashboard of your car if you have a job that makes you drive around or, or, or wherever it might be. And you would just look at that and just say a couple of sentences in prayer. Who is it that gives the increase? What? Man, that's puny. Come on. She is not going to get anything done if God doesn't show up. And he has said that he will show up if we ask him to. It is not a small thing to pray for missionaries. Um, I don't know how much she likes Thai food. Twenty-four-seven, three sixty-five. You know, there's a lot of adjustments to be made, being away from home and all that. And you can just just think to yourself. You say, I don't know how to pray for. Her. Well, just think, what if, what if I was going to Thailand? What would I be asking God for? Pray that, and most of all, pray that God will be honored to use her fragrance. Wouldn't that be cool if if she got over there in time to lead that gal to Christ herself? How cool would that be? 
You plant the seed, some other people water the seed, and you come back and God has given the increase and you get to lead that person to Christ. If that happens, we'll never see her again. We have a mission team that's forming. Raise your hand, Carl. That's Carl Jagger, if you don't know him. And he is uh, in charge of our mission team. We're, we're, we're trying to develop. The job of the mission team is to support and facilitate our foreign missions ministry. And so we are going to send out a letter and ask other churches to consider supporting her. And when she goes to other churches, we're going to send some people with her. We're not going to send her by herself because this is a team and we're working together. Your support for her, your financial support, can come in two different ways or multiple ways really, but she will not be able to go to the field till she has either raised all the money or had all of the money committed. What do I mean by that? With Ben going for three weeks... Is that what it is? Three weeks. Basically, the money's got to be there. Boom. Okay? And it's about a third or so the way there now, which is great. We're right on track. But when it comes to $26,000, that's a lot more money. And so maybe it, she's going to be there for a year. And so people could say, you know, for that year that you're there, I will commit to giving you X amount of dollars every month for 12 months. And those commitments are handled by ABWE, the, the mission organization that she is going with, that we work with. And when they see, okay, she has this much money has actually been given, and this much has been committed, they can say, she's ready to go. That's how it works. And so this may be a new, a new endeavor for you. I, personally, I support several missionaries, my wife and I do, that the church doesn't support, and we just support them every month. And and so that is another way that you can partner with her. And for that matter, anytime we have a missionary come, and you say, wow, that's a great missionary. I love that missionary. But the church doesn't feel like we're able to take on every missionary who comes. You could start supporting them and send it right to their mission agency, and that would be a wonderful thing. We are a team. God's work is unified by God. And then God's work is rewarded by God. I just want to touch this because it's in verse 8. But then we're going to come to this in our next sermon. And, and he says, Each one will get his own reward according to his labor. The next passage talks about those rewards at length, so we won't talk about it now. But here's the one thing I do want to encourage you toward. God rewards on the basis of labor, not result. In other words, it's not commissioned sales. You know what that means? Commissioned sales would be, God looks at you and said, well, you, you only led two people to the Lord. You're, you're getting a little paltry reward. Oh, this guy, he led a hundred people to the Lord. Oh, Billy Graham, he's, he's been instrumental in thousands of people come to the Lord. He's going to get a big reward. That's not the way God rewards. Each one will be rewarded according to his labor. Catherine is right. She will not be directly involved in much... Uh, evangelism ministry. There's a tendency on some people's part to think, well, why in the world are we sending her to, why would we send a missionary out who's not going to do evangelism? We're going to send her out so she can support. She can be part of that team so the pastor and his wife are freed up to do more evangelism because I got news for you. That Thai pastor and his wife are going to reach people better than she ever will. 
even if she was a fluent Thai speaker. Because they're going to understand the culture and the, the religion and all of that. Each one is rewarded. And, and what a great thing that even though God puts us on the team and God makes the ministry work, even though it's all of God, at the end of our life, God's going to reward us. What a wonderful thing. We'll look forward to unpacking that in the next couple of weeks. But let's just summarize here. God's work is owned by God. Look at verse 9. We are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. I think it's good when Christians talk about you know, their own church, as they would say, this is my church. I think that's a good, healthy thing. As long as we're saying that, though, we, what we really mean is it's God's church, and, and it's the one that I'm part of. It is God's work. Look, look back with me, starting at verse 5. Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one? I planted Apollos' water, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything or he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward for his own labor, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. Do you hear a theme? Paul and Apollos were working with God. The Corinthian individuals belong to God. The Corinthian church as a whole belong to God. And so Paul says, let's get on his team and let's do what he wants us to do to accomplish his work. In our first ministry, we were part of a church that had never had a full-time associate, and so their ability to pay us was minimal. And uh, Sue and I became managers of a small set of apartments to get a free uh, to get a free apartment, we had to collect the rent and empty the garbage or whatever it was. We didn't have to do a whole lot; just kind of be there, take care of things. Um, it was during that time that I discovered chainsaws and pruning. And there was this giant tree on our property. We had a set of apartments, and then we had a house that was also rented out. This giant tree and. Oh, the branches were going everywhere, and I thought, that tree needs pruning. <laughs> Fired that baby up, climbed up that tree like I could not do now. And it's almost like that commercial on TV for car insurance, you know. <laughs> Only instead of hitting a car, it went boom, right on the supply power wire to the house, and it jerked it from the pole and from the house at the same time. Can you visualize me paying my rent again? <laughs> not getting it for free. The owner, the owner did not ask me to prune the tree. The owner was not happy with me. Even though it was a beautiful prune job, the tree grew back really nice. I lost my job. The owner didn't ask me to do that. This is God's work. And it needs to be done in His way to accomplish His results for His glory. Let's be His servants together and see what God will do. Heavenly Father, we are Your servants. 
we bow before you. We take instruction from you. We seek to do your work. We want our church to be a place that does your work in your way. Father, we have tried to perceive your leading in regard to Catherine and a ministry in Thailand, and we believe it's your work. And so we ask you to help us do our part, to pray, to give, to uh, support her while she gets ready to go. Whatever we can do, Father, we ask you to help us do that. We want to do your work. And then, Father, when she goes, will you please give the increase? Because we can't. Will you please bring fruit from her ministry, from our ministry in Thailand? And Father, will you help us to be that kind of team here for Ferndale? May we join hand in hand and do your work being servants, caring about what you care about, not about our petty issues. Help us to love you and serve you. Give the increase here, Father. I pray in Christ's name, amen.